every once in a while, you have to you have to reinforce house rules. And that's what we are doing on the Sunday Morning Grind podcast. Once again, coming at you on a Thursday. Not to be told, not to be too totally ironic. Josh Taylor, Greg Finley, episode number 51 of the Sunday Morning Grind podcast. Now, you guys know what we do. We always number and name the podcasts because it's just a fun thing to do. Last week, we did episode 50. That was the Larry Foote podcast. And we were talking about this off air, what we were going to name the show. And we came to the conclusion, because there, there was a 51, and my first thought process was, well, there's John Bostick. And your answer was, well, either that or James Ferrier. And the the logic I thought Greg made plenty of sense as to why we chose James Ferrier. It's a package deal with him and Larry Foote. You can't not do one and not do the other. Exactly. If you're going to have Larry Foote, you got to have James Ferrier. Then we'll have Clark Haggins in two weeks. Got to have Clark Haggins <laughs> in a couple weeks. Add Joey Porter at 55. Got to have Peasy. Like I said, you might as well just shout out the whole defense. Woodley just... at 56. <laughs> now, granted, we didn't. Do... I don't think we did Troy for 43, did we? Did we do Troy for 43? Mm, I feel like we didn't. I don't think we did Troy for 43. So that's that kind of changes that whole thing up. But still, that part of the defense, you got to shout all the Didn't LBs we do out. Stephen Brault? We did, I think we did do Stephen Brault. I think you're right. I think it was Stephen Brault. I think, I think we decided that Troy was too easy. Troy was too easy. This is true. But and, but we're giving a shout-out to all the linebackers in the same numbers of the 50s. Yes. So I think it's fair to do it that way. And none of those guys are Hall of Famers. Like a Troy. No, 43 was Connor Sherry. We did do Connor <laughs> Sherry. Yeah. I forgot about That's that. That's right. That's right. Wow. Good call by you. Wow. Well, I went back and cheated. Wow. I can't believe, I still can't believe we're at 51. This is crazy. I should say, I can't believe we're numbering at 51 because we've done other ones. We've that done a numbered. lot that haven't been numbered. We've probably done like 70 episodes. <laughs> yeah. We might have to start keeping an official count at some point. Some point we'll actually like you know tabulate all that and keep track of it. Hey man, I'm still working graveyard. I can do the math. <laughs> that at least one of us is that works because you're working graveyard and I'm half the time feel like I'm walking through one because I'm like sleepwalking because I have dad problems now with my kid getting up at like seven in the morning. Speaking of sleepwalking, the Steelers. Well, there's that too. <laughs> you could use that for both football teams playing in town right oh, now. Oh man, you could use that for the Steelers. You could use it for Pitt. And yeah. the Penguins on the West Coast trip. <laughs> I mean, at least the Penguins are, are, are playing teams that it doesn't surprise you that things went the way they did. No, I agree with that. Calgary's a pretty good team. I mean, Calgary had, they had won 50-some-odd games last year. Edmonton won a bunch of games. Those two teams between Calgary and Edmonton played each other in the playoffs last year, and Edmonton knocked out Calgary. And Calgary added um, Kadri. Now it's and Kadri. And Kadri's a beast. Yeah. He's a beast in more than one way. He's a beast in how he produces, and he's a beast in how he just gets in your ear and just never goes away. He's a beast and a mosquito at the same time. <laughs> he's a fantastic player, though. So, getting with the Steelers here. I'm happy that George Pickens got his first NFL touchdown. Yes, it was It was bound to happen, and hopefully there's many more behind it. I thought that uh, it was overdue that they finally got him in the end zone because— this was a stud receiver in the draft, and good on the Steelers for getting him the ball finally because they weren't doing it at the beginning of the year. But I can't help Josh but look back at this game on Sunday and think what could have happened if they don't throw two interceptions in the final two drives because the yeah. de the defense played well enough that they should have won that game. They only gave up 16 points. This is a football game where Miami went down the field immediately and scored. Opening drive, you're like, oh, no, we can't stop Waddle. We can't stop Tyreek Hill. Heck, we couldn't even stop Raheem Mostert. And, and Mostert was the guy that got in the end zone. He caught right, the touchdown pass. Right. Then the then the Steelers turned the ball over. I'm like, oh, no, here we go. They're about to be up 14 nothing. And the defense held them to a field goal. Then the defense held them to another field goal and another field goal. They didn't let them score any more touchdowns. The defense did everything you could have asked in that game. And they didn't allow a point the entire second half. Right. Nobody scored in the second half. No one scored in the second half. And that is where the problem lies. Yes. Because no one scored in the second half. You got the ball with an opportunity to make something happen in the fourth quarter two different times, and you fell short. And this is why I point out to this being important, because the big criticism against the defense was 
They couldn't stop New England with six minutes left. New England ran the clock out. They couldn't stop Cincinnati in week one, and Cincinnati came back and scored that game-tying touchdown late in regulation that sent it to overtime. And another thing thing was, even after the offense turned it over on the Jets' side of the field with three and a half minutes left, oh, the defense needed to stop the Jets with the game on the line. Okay, fine. They stopped Miami twice. Right. They even stopped Miami from going for it on fourth down when Miami could have easily gotten rid of the ball. And they got to stop there. They stopped them on fourth down when when Mike McDaniel went for it and everybody's like, what are you doing? Are you crazy? They went for it because they figured, well, a lot of people are doing it on this defense. Why not? And the defense got to stop. Plus, they weren't intimidated by the offense. No. Like, well, they're not going to score anyway. Well, what do we care? Right. There was there were <laughs> in Miami's mind in that particular moment and in the context, there was no real risk for them. And the Steelers' offense ended up proving them right by not being able to do anything yep. with that turnover on downs. I'm glad you pointed out Raheem Mostert. He's the only guy that got in the end zone for Miami. And right. this is worth pointing out. Back-to-back weeks, this defense gave up less than 20 points. And you know me and that 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 milestone of 20 points and how important it is with teams that win games and lose games. The numbers and the stats back it up. If you think I'm crazy, look it up. Given allowing less than 20 points on defense and winning a turnover margin, you got a really damn good shot at winning the game. Now, granted, the turnover margin thing didn't go in their favor, but in the past two games, the defense held the opponent to under 20 points. And more importantly, they faced offenses with the likes of Tom Brady, Mike Evans, and Chris Godwin on one side, and then Tua Tungavailoa, Jalen Waddle, Waddle, and Tyreek Hill on the other side. Yep. And those pair of receivers did not score, and nor did either quarterback throw a touchdown pass to any receiver or tight end. They kept those guys out the end zone. They did their job. The only touchdowns they allowed in those two games were both passes to running backs out of the backfield. Yep. Those guys did their job for two weeks straight, and only once were they rewarded. And it's because of the offense. The offense doesn't come through yet again. They only scored 10 points in this game against Miami, and they had multiple opportunities and uh the fourth quarter pick it through a pick they get the ball back the defense got another stop not only did they get another stop with a few minutes left they got a three and out yeah they got a three and out managed to stop the clock and got them the ball back with plenty of time what two and a half minutes left yep plenty of time and then they drive down the field again and pick it Makes a bad decision. He could have ran the football for 20 yards. He had 20 yards of grass in front of him with nobody near him in the same zip code. And he makes a dumb throw. It gets intercepted. And that's the ball game. And I'm getting really tired of people bailing this guy out. We're allowed to criticize him. I get it. He's a rookie. It's a rookie mistake. But you can't tell me that that's not on him for those two interceptions. They had that game won. The defense held them to 16 points, and the offense was driving both times, and they gave the ball away both times. We're allowed to criticize that. It doesn't bother me. That's not true. It bothers me a little bit that people were trying to find reasons to let Kenny Pickett off the hook and and not just accept the fact that, hey— he made a bad decision, and this was the outcome. Yes. That bothers me a little bit. It bothers me more that of all people, he was the one that might have been the most fair and honest about himself. After that game, the turnovers are a problem. It's, you know, it, it's unacceptable. I got to do better. I'm going to come in tomorrow and work to fix it. He owned up to it. He owned up to it. He knows he made a mistake. He knows that what he did was unacceptable. He knows that his decision-making cost him the game. He said it. Like, I was trying to do too much miscommunication. I thought there was a play there. You know, I got to do better. I'm willing to accept that more. That's the thing that makes me feel better. Me too. That's number seven would never do that. That's the thing that makes me feel better. Because you got everybody else trying to blame everyone else under the sun or anyone else within earshot wearing black and gold, whether they're a member of the Steelers organization or not. They're trying to throw blame on all those other people. Meanwhile, the guy responsible is like, you know what? I can't do that. I thought there was something there. I made the mistake. I'll get better at it. And you're right. I was going to bring that up, too. The guy that preceded him had a really bad habit of when he made mistakes of trying to throw other people under the the bus. And it's really created. I'm just going to say it. I don't care. 
What are they going to do to me? It's just created this whole culture of no flies on the quarterback. And nowhere else does that happen. That doesn't happen in any other fan base with any other organization where there's absolutely no flies on the quarterback. But for some odd reason, it's standard operating procedure in Pittsburgh. And it started a while ago because of the previous guy. I like the fact that Kenny Pickett said, look, I made the mistake. It's on me. I'll fix it. That, if there's anything that redeems me about what happened in Miami last week, that's it. I agree with you there. You can't tell me that people talking about Tampa Bay aren't on Brady for the last two weeks. He threw, oh, everybody's he's on thrown Brady. one touchdown in the last two weeks against the Steelers and the Panthers. Mm-hmm. You can't tell me there's no no-fly zone there. There's, Same with Russell Wilson. There's, there's a little bit of leeway you can get with losing to the Steelers because you're going on the road. It's a pretty, it's a further trip than it is going to Charlotte or, or dealing with the Panthers because that's a division rival. Going to the Steelers, he he went to uh, he went to Robert Kraft's funeral. Okay, fine. All that stuff adds up. His wedding. He, uh, de- oh my God. Whew. He is not dead. Robert Kraft's wedding. Oh <laughs> yeah. my God. See, some people will tell you funeral what funeral wedding same difference, but yeah. I'm not that kind of person. Yes. But thank you for catching me. You're welcome. He goes to Robert Kraft's wedding. Misses the the Friday walkthrough. Misses the team meeting. Shows up and plays. That's one of those things where you're like, okay, that's definitely something. That's a problem. But then they come back home from that trip, and then you lose to Carolina. Not Cam Newton, Carolina. Not even Christian McCaffrey, Carolina. Not Christian McCaffrey, Carolina. (laughs) Not Sam Darnold, Carolina. You lost to P.J. Walker, Carolina, without Christian McCaffrey. That's what's bad. Yes. That's what looks terrible. And That's you only what scored awful. three points. And you only <laughs> score three points. That is what looks comparatively awful. And that's why Tampa fans are like, what the hell? And that, and with good reason. I agree. With absolute good reason. But there's definitely no no-fly zone with that oh, there's, situation. There's, <laughs> yeah, like, it, it's, I, I say this because it's like, it, it's, been a, it's been a documented history of it, Greg. Like, it was just... You would see a game like one of one of the prime examples that playoff game against Cleveland that probably should have been Ben Roethlisberger's final game. It should have been it. Yep. We saw this team start with an eleven and zero record in twenty twenty, and then they went one and five down the stretch. And you saw a complete difference of how defenses played this team, primarily because they realized, hey, he can't throw from here to there anymore because he's in his late thirties and had a surgically repaired elbow. Cleveland came in, and from that first snap over the head, you knew this game was over. Yep. <laughs> and he did not make it any better. It, it just after that, you just knew. And people continued. And it's just like, how many years of this are we going to go through where this guy will make mistakes and people will just let him off the hook? And it just it it was it was too much for me then. It was too much for me in 2007, but for some odd reason, he just couldn't beat Jacksonville. It was a problem then. Mm-hmm. It just and now it's translated over. It doesn't help that it's just that we have colleagues that are really leading the charge and holding the biggest pitchforks because that's just that just drives me nuts. But <laughs> I think the the main point of it is when we talk about no flies on the quarterback, I mean there are people literally just like it's to the point where like they don't even need to try to like bat the flies off the quarterback. They're standing there with cans of raid. It is just it, it's it's absolutely insane. And I said this on my radio show. I said, look, we can't keep trying to write this story for Kenny Pickett before the story's over. And you can't just try to go back and erase every line after it's written. This isn't Back to the Future where you do something different and the faces fade away on the Polaroid. No, like, whatever's there is there. Whatever's written is written. You can't change it now. It's already on the page. And then you're trying to write the ending before the story plays out. Right. And sports is the original reality TV. There's no script. There's no ending that you can tease two weeks ahead of time. Whatever happens in front of you happens in front of you, and that is it. Once that that moment is gone, it's on wax. It's there. And you have people that are not only trying to rewrite what's already on the page, but they're also trying to write the ending for you. You can't do that. You can't try to hold the pen when it's not yours to hold. You got to let this kid go out there, learn what he needs to learn, you got to let him make the mistakes he needs to, needs to make because if this team is truly prioritizing his development and if we're if because of that wins and losses no longer matter, 
You can't sit here and say, well, it doesn't matter because, you know, he he's trying to develop and then talk about how someone else lost the game for you. Either how you lost the game or the fact you lost the game matters or it doesn't. You can't pick and choose because you need to be a helicopter fan for your quarterback. It's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. Mm-hmm. I've heard a lot of dumb things. I work in the Pittsburgh sports media. I've heard a lot of stupid things. <laughs> but fans playing helicopter fan over their rookie quarterback is one of the most ridiculous things I've ever encountered. Not blaming him for anything that he's ever done is another one. I, I've never seen a professional athlete. I've never seen an athlete on the college level that could ever be held blameless for the mistakes they made. It, it sets a bad precedent. It just sets a bad precedent. It sends a terrible message that you're willing to give one guy out of 53 the benefit of the doubt, regardless of what he does, but the other 52 be damned. It, no, I can't I can't live with that. I don't think any other player would live with that. I don't think any coach would live with that. I like the fact that Mike Tomlin said, look, he's, he's playing to win. We want him to be in those situations where he can try to make plays. We want him to be aggressive. We want him to try to make the best opportunity of it that he can. Because they get what the long-term goal here is. But my thing is, you can't sit here and say, oh, it's about the long-term goals with the quarterback. But the other 52 guys, it's about the here and now and why they fall short. That doesn't make any sense. Mm-hmm. It, you're, you're really just trying to protect somebody. And you can say one thing about one person without it being a detriment to someone else. You can say, look, the quarterback made some mistakes with the game on the line. Well, at the same time saying... You know what? He also made some plays here and there because there was a string of passes that he completed and he looked pretty good doing it, including the touchdown pass to George Pickens. Yes. Just like we could say, hey, the defense held Waddle and Hill out of the end zone, but they also dropped four or five interception opportunities. Two things can be true at the same time. I don't know why we have to try to stuff everything into the same box. Not only, not only is it absurd, it's just not realistic. I mean, it, I understand the human condition, how we want to try to create a lens that makes us feel better. Mike Tomlin talks about it all the time. We don't see comfort. And we we always get mad about stuff that Mike Tomlin says. But you're doing the same thing he refuses to do. You're seeking comfort because your quarterback threw two picks in the fourth quarter. Mike Tomlin's not seeking seeking comfort with that. Kenny Pickett himself is not seeking comfort with it. His teammates aren't seeking comfort. Why are you going out of your way to? That's the question I keep asking people. Josh, we had a coworker post a video of the interception and said, man, Deontay Johnson didn't put forth enough effort to go get that ball. Unbelievable. Pick, pick it, throw a pick. That's what happened. <laughs> but th- this, is, this is what happens when you have people that allow that to seep into the surface. It just it seeps in there and it becomes a thing. And I can't even blame... Our coworkers that perpetuate that because they weren't the first ones to do it. Mm-hmm. They weren't the first ones. You had an entire army of people in our profession that did the exact same thing for the last guy. And that made it worse over time. There were people that would sit there and say, oh, this guy in the locker room is terrible. He's got all these issues off the field. He's probably the worst person in that room. Uh, do you remember what happened the previous decade? You, you weren't around for, you know, the the, the trial or, uh, I mean, for the, uh, for, well, I guess it wasn't a trial, but like, you know, you, you weren't around for that whole thing in Milledgeville, and you weren't around for all that situation? Oh, you, you, were, missed, you were there? You, oh, okay. you, you were around for, <laughs> oh, you were working at the time? So, selective amnesia? What? Like, okay, fine. You can you can throw the whole, well, he didn't get charged. Okay, fine. That's okay. But let's not ignore the fact but that the previous guy put himself in a lot of bad positions and put the organization in some really bad positions. More than once in a very, very small time frame. He and just, people just continued to just write it off. He just did it before the season started about how they wanted to kick him off the team. They forced him into retirement. No, your arm is dead. You should be retiring. You'd figure in a town like this that dwells so much on its history, that we wouldn't so conveniently forget that the last legendary quarterback that played in this city that was in his 30s and had won a handful of Super Bowls mm-hmm. and blew his elbow out, guess what he did when it happened? He retired. He retired. Terry Bradshaw went to Chuck Noll and was like, I'm done. And Chuck Noll said, okay. And that was it. Matter of fact, to the point where Terry Bradshaw, he, re- he recalled the discussion, and he goes to Chuck Noll and tells Chuck, I'm done. And Chuck was like, all right. <laughs> and Terry Bretz was like, he really do or say anything else. Like, no, thank you. No, you know, great career. Just okay. 
<laughs> like it wasn't very ceremonious at all. But it not that I'm trying to say it's some you know momentous thing, but the point stands. Like when you know you can't do it anymore, you walk away. Dude, Peyton Manning even hung it up when he knew he couldn't do it anymore. But Ben is the one that's throwing a hissy fit. Here's the funny part. When we're talking about Terry Bradshaw's elbow surgery, the the fun part about that story is when he got the surgery on his elbow, he didn't sign himself in as Terry Bradshaw. He signed himself in with a with a, a moniker, with a fake name. Oh, yeah. And the name he used was Thomas Brady. That's right. I do remember that. That We talked about that on Is This a Thing. Yeah, that was an Is This a Thing topic. A long time ago. That was a very old <laughs> Is This a Thing topic. But that might be my favorite Terry Bradshaw story. Yeah, that's incredible. Was that after he has elbow surgery that pretty much, I mean, he tried to come back from it, and then he, he gave it one go and was like, nope, I'm done. But he, he got the elbow surgery, and he signed himself in as Tom Brady. Like, <laughs> are you a time traveler? Are you a Loki variant? And we did not know this. Like, what's going on here? Eli Manning would like a word. Yeah, there, there's only one NFL quarterback that we know of that is a known Loki variant, and his name is Elisha Manning. Or Elisha is it Lo- Manning. Or is it Loki Lofison? That's beside the point. His name is Chad Powers. <laughs> his name, or is his name Chad Powers? See? It feeds into the theory. I did not need to see that Chad Power skip because it just totally fed into my theory that Eli Manning is a Loki variant. I'm pretty sure I sent you the video and said it's a Loki variant. <laughs> For those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, you have to be an MCU fan. You would have had to actually watch the series Loki to understand what we're saying. We might have to break that down in another show. Okay. We might have to have that discussion. You have to be a nerd like us, basically. Yeah. Uh, we might have. To, I might have to give my thesis... I might even go and like write it and prepare it and be prepared to defend it. Maybe I can go to grad school and maybe I can use that as a thesis. As your dissertation. As my dissertation to defend that that Eli Manning is a Loki variant. <laughs> schools will schools will throw doctorate degrees at me. You think they'll be like, we're giving this guy a doctorate? They'll be like, this guy's a genius. <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. That will be like groundbreaking research. They'll give me a Nobel Prize for it, for discovering that Eli Manning is a Loki variant. I'm going to be honest. I'd rather talk about that than this slaughtering <laughs> that we're about to break down with Steelers-Eagles. We have we have totally veered off course, and I don't care. Oh, I don't care. I um, mean, it's a n- podcast. That's what, that's what it's for. I will say this, though. I will say this. And, and I had this discussion with Alan Saunders on my radio show. This is an Eagles team that's built really, really well. Jalen Hurts was a guy they drafted second round pick. I mean, you look at the pedigree information, it's like what, six foot one, 220 some odd pounds, maybe 230, built more like a running back than he is a quarterback. Yeah. But man, can the kid play? I mean, we saw what he did at Alabama before he was displaced for a kid named Tua. Then he goes to Oklahoma, wins a Heisman Trophy, comes into the NFL in, in, in Philly, drafts him with a second round pick. He becomes their guy, and to Philly's credit, they built a team around him, and an, I should say an offense around him, that complements his strengths and his athletic ability really, really well. And we haven't even talked about how ridiculous that defense is. They are quick, they're athletic, and they can play. I mean, they added A.J. Brown, which was an absolutely great move by yeah, them. They that was were, a hell of a draft day trade. They needed a wide receiver, and they got one. I mean, he's a beast. And he's a big play guy. So now you got him on one side, Devontae Smith on the, the other Alabama side. Alabama connection. It, that's that is nuts, man. That's absolutely crazy. And you know, not to mention the fact that they got a running game that's pretty good. And you got Miles Sanders in the backfield, but hey, Jalen Hurts can run too. Yes. And I like the fact that they don't they don't shy away from the concept of giving Jalen Hurts some place to run the football. They're going, hey, he's built to take that kind of contact. He's two hundred thirty pounds. We can do that with him. You might not be able to do that with every quarterback, but you can pull that off with Jalen Hurts. Plus, he kind of has that mindset too. He kind of like he kind of likes the contact. It, it it gets him pumped up. And honestly, when you see how that offense is run, and I think it's the fact that it's run so well catered to what he did at Alabama and at Oklahoma, it makes so much sense to me. And Alan Saunders pointed this out to me. He said, "Look, last year people were ready to run Nick Sirianni out of town. It started the season two and five. It was it was Jalen Hurts' first season as a starter. They were ready to be done. Now they're embracing him. They went. <laughs> they se- love him. And they went seven and three after that. Yeah. Went seven and three. Finished the season at nine and eight. Made the playoffs. And they lost in the first round in Tampa Bay. But they turned their season around because largely 
because they were all in on Jalen Hurts. And that defense started to really come together. Now, granted, they didn't beat a single playoff team to make the playoffs, but hey, they did what they had to do and got there. Then during the offseason, they said, okay, let's figure out what pieces we still need to put in place and do it. And oh yeah, by the way, they just traded for Robert Quinn. So Yeah, they did. <laughs> um, good luck with dealing with this this Eagles team the latter part of the season. They they got eleven games left. And I'm trying to look at the schedule and figure out which one they're going to lose. Cause I, it, it will not be the game this Sunday. <laughs> it will, I, I don't expect it. Let me put it this way. I don't expect it look, the to Steelers, be the game this Sunday. The Steelers haven't beaten the Eagles in Philly since the 60s, and they've played some teams where you thought, oh, they should be able to beat them. Like when they played them, when they had Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. the Steelers were a favorite, I'm pretty sure, going into that game, or they were a very slight underdog, yep. and they got throttled. I want to say that offense looked terrible that day, yeah, too. Yeah, they got was, absolutely yeah. throttled. and One good. This is an undefeated, hungry Eagles team coming off a bye. I give the Steelers a 0% chance to win this one. Not to mention the fact that they are an Eagles team that's the last undefeated team in the league, and you got the Giants a half game behind you at 6-1. and one. You got the Cowboys a game and a half behind you, or two games behind you at 5-2. and two. It's not like your division is something you can run away with at this point. This you is- slip up one game, and now you got a bunch of guys chasing you. Now, the one thing they have over Dallas is they have the tiebreaker because they beat Dallas the first time they faced mm-hmm. them. That helps them. But you can't afford to slip up because the Giants are on your heels. They're a half game back, and they can they can find a way uh, to jump ahead of you at this point. This ain't the NFC East of last year. It is not. Can you believe how different it's been? This, this, ain't, the, this ain't the NFC East of six months ago. I mean— Daniel Jones has stepped up a ton for the Giants. They got a healthy Saquon Barkley, which is a game changer. And the Cowboys are just running through everybody. You know what the three teams... Even with Cooper Rush. <laughs> they, they were 4-1 and one with Cooper right. Rush. You know what the three teams that all have five-plus wins in the NFC East all have in common? And I mentioned this on my radio show. Go ahead. Running game. They all run the ball. They play defense well. They all play defense Mobile quarterbacks? Uh, they do all have mobile quarterbacks. For the most part, yeah. But, I mean, Cooper Rush played the majority of those games instead of Dak. Yeah. But running the ball, playing defense, and they don't turn it over. Mm-hmm. None of all of them, literally all of them, average more than four yards a carry. All of them have positive turnover margins, and all of them have scoring defenses in, like, the top third of the league. Maybe even in the top ten. Play defense, they run the ball, they don't turn it over. And in Philly's case... They really play defense and don't turn the ball over. Philly has a plus 12 turnover margin in six games. That's what happens when you have Darius Slay covering their best receiver. Well, I mean, he's one of the best. That, the crazy thing is they forced 14 takeaways. They've only turned it over twice, Greg, in six games. That's ridiculous. It should not shock you that this team is undefeated. No. Because they are following the very blueprint that I've been telling you about for, what, a couple years now? Run the ball, play the defense, don't play run the ball, play good defense, don't turn it over. That's what Philly's doing. That's why they're six and zero, and that's probably why you and I expect them, you and I both expect them to beat the Steelers for the same reasons, because they're doing the three things the Steelers have not consistently done. That's so, why they're two and five. So you said you look at this schedule and you don't know where they lose a game. Let's break it down real quick. Okay. They've got the Steelers, they're yeah. gonna win that. They take on Houston in Houston on Thursday night football. They'll beat Houston. They'll beat them. They play the Commanders. They should beat them. They'll beat the Commanders. That's on Monday night football at home. They go to Indianapolis. They should beat them. They host yes. Green Bay on Sunday night football. The Packers are not very good this year. Uh, they might put up a fight. If there's one they could lose, it might be Green Bay, but I don't think they will. Host the Titans. They should win that game. Yep. At the Giants, this is the first time they're playing the Giants. It's not until December. That could be their first loss is at the Giants. Yep, I agree. At the Bears, they should beat them. They should beat Chicago. At Dallas, they might lose that one. They could lose against Dallas with Dak back on that team. Versus the Saints, they should beat them. They should beat New Orleans. And then host the Giants to end the season. More than likely they win. They could finish this season 14-2 or or 13-3. 14 and 3 or 15 and 2. I'm sorry. Yes, 14 and 3, 15 and 2. I got oh my goodness. They're going to be But yeah. They're going to be the one seed easily then. They I would expect them to be the one seed in the NFC cuz A we couldn't figure out three games that they're going to lose and B who in that conference is going to do better than that? No one in, in the, the NFC? NFC? Right. No one in the North is. 
Y- you, you, would- you think the Vikings come back to life in the second half? Well, let's let's talk about the Vikings. They're five and one. They're five and one. They average more than four yards a carry. They've got a positive turnover margin, and they're twelfth in, in scoring defense. They play defense, run the ball, and don't turn it over. So I I wouldn't count the Vikings out. I didn't think they were good at first, but then I looked at the numbers and I'm like, hey, they're doing the same things the winning teams are. And there are seven teams currently, seven that have five wins or more. All of them are doing the same things except one. Kansas City's twenty fifth in scoring defense in the league. Wow. Well, but, that's because they play Buffalo. <laughs> but they also average a touchdown more per game scoring than they do what they allow. So they, they're they the only team scoring more than 30 points a game, and they're the only team that's scored more than 200 points all season. So, so, so it evens out. <laughs> they score enough to be frivolous with the ball. It doesn't matter. Yeah. But it, it, it's, it comes back to the thought process of, you know, when you look at what Philly's doing, we couldn't figure out three games that they might lose. And I don't see Minnesota – having that same kind of schedule where they couldn't lose more than three or four Minnesota's games. Minnesota's got one loss already. I know they have to play Buffalo in a couple of weeks. I expect them They're to gonna lose, lose that, that game, game to Buffalo. They're going to have to play Green Bay again. They did beat Green Bay in the opening week, but if the Packers you know, figure something out, that could be a tough one. And plus, that's a rivalry game, so that's going to be treated a little bit differently. Got to play Dallas. That could be tough. I can see Dallas beating them. Shockingly, that I'm saying this, the Jets could be tough for them. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's different with the Jets. I mean, they've had to well, they've had to move some pieces around. Granted, they did trade for a running back. I think that helps them. But losing Brees Hall does hurt them a ton. It does. But yeah. they they traded for the running back from Jacksonville. That helps them a lot. And they still got that defense. So the Jets' defense is another one. Yep. With five plus wins that run the ball well, play defense, and don't turn it over. And then they play the Giants on Christmas Eve. They could lose that one. They can lose to the. So Giants they could on lose three Eve. or four games, and the Eagles will probably only lose three at max. Eagles are going to get the one seed. Are we putting three teams from the NFC East in the playoffs? Yeah. Is, did we just do that? Oh, yeah. Yikes. That's happening. Man. Because the NFC West is not very good. The Seahawks no. are in first place right no. now. The <laughs> NFC West is not very good. We know how bad the NFC South is. Can we just banish the NFC and the AFC South since both divisions are terrible? I mean, Would that be fair? Tampa Bay is going to make it by default, right? <laughs> just like we expected. <laughs> Tennessee to make it by default. I, I thought Tennessee would win that division by default. I mean, Atlanta is three and four, right behind the tied with the Bucks, but I don't put Atlanta ahead of the Bucks. I know this is getting ahead of what we're going to talk about on the show, but did they cover the spread last week? Is Atlanta still undefeated against no, the spread? They okay. got blown out by the Bengals because we took them. <laughs> but we also said this would be the time that they lose because we took them. It's a curse. I didn't. We, I didn't want to kill the tease for hot. It's, it's seriously a curse, and we are the leaders of it. Yes. Speaking of curse, how about the Phillies ending the curse of their bad bullpen? They're going to the World Series. <laughs> you want to talk about a team that's playing completely over its head right now and doing it in a major way? It might be the Phillies. But honestly, you know, as much as we joked about, you know, stupid money and them them doing things kind of against what everybody else has done, credit to them for finding what works for them. They've got a really well-built team. Their starting pitching is is performing at the level they need him to. Maybe even above the level that everybody expected. No doubt. Nola, Wheeler, that rotation's getting it done. And you're going to see those two guys in the first two games, if I'm not mistaken. Yep. You're going to see Nola and Wheeler. I saw I saw Aaron Nola pitch at LSU. He was legit then. He was the legit guy at LSU when him was, it was him and Alex Bregman on the same team. They were both studs back then. I saw a game, Greg, where you saw Alex Bregman, Aaron Nola, and Andrew Benintendi all in the same field playing college ball in the SEC. And we knew all three of those guys were legit. So to see Aaron Nolan in the World Series, I would say I'm surprised, but I'm not. Because I thought he was a good pitcher then, and I think he's good now. And you have Zach Wheeler, I hate to say it, former Met. <laughs> he goes and he shows out for Philly of all teams in the division. But yeah, give him credit. They're pitching well. Reese Hoskins was absolute supernova for like two weeks. Bryce Harper in the biggest stage possible. That wasn't the World Series. Granted, he's going to go there next, but the NLCS, he shows up big on a big stage. Like, these guys are doing it at a time when people didn't expect it to. That bullpen kind of reminds me of the Nationals' bullpen the year they won the World Series, and they were kind of like the no-name, unheralded, bunch of rejects, second-chance guys. And, you know, it, it just it kind of felt that way with that bullpen. The Phillies now kind of remind me of the Nationals a few years back. For how much we made fun of their bullpen for the last couple of years. Oh, we've been merciless. Good good on them for getting yeah. here. I'm I can't believe that the Phillies are in the World Series. And of course the Astros are back. 
<laughs> I think people making fun of Houston might have been the biggest mistake imaginable. Was it warranted to be upset about Houston not being punished? Absolutely. It's warranted. Yeah. But the fact that people just booed them mercilessly and made fun of the Astros, and I'm like, man, you know they're good, right? Even if they're not cheating, even, they're good. <laughs> even, even when they're not cheating, they can still play, and they got a manager that they're going to play hard for. And they just swept the Yankees. <laughs> they haven't lost yet in the postseason. <laughs> they're 7-0 and in the postseason. They're a machine. I think they're going to win in, like, five. <laughs> Honestly, this— this is going to make for a great series because you got a team that hasn't lost. And if you're Philly, you got to be a team without fear. I don't think they're intimidated by anybody. They went through the Cardinals, the Braves. Then they went through the Braves and the Padres. And they went through beat the Padres the and knocked the Dodgers off. <laughs> if I'm Philly, I'm not afraid of anybody. Yep. I'm not even afraid of the Astros who still haven't lost yet in the postseason. But at the same time, you got a team that hasn't lost versus a team without fear. That makes for a great series for me. I thought I'd never be saying that in a million years, but it makes for a great series. This is the same Astros team that hasn't lost yet in the playoffs that Verlander got beaten to a pulp by the Mariners. Yeah, he did. And they came all the way back and won that game because Jordan Alvarez happened. Which was insane. <laughs> I'm, I remember you were like, dude, they're killing Verlander. I'm like, oh, they're screwed. And we're like, all right, well, who's going to start the next game? We were already looking at the next game, and they came back and won. Yep. It, it was just like in true Astros fashion. You can't leave that team for dead, man. They, they will, they'll make you look stupid. I, it's insane. I agree. Uh, let's not take a break. Let's just transition right in. Let's because go. Because we're on a roll. Let's do it. All right. We're going to play college football hot sheet real quick, and then we will transition to the NFL. And I need to pull up the bed. There it is. As right I sip from my lemonade. That's important. And we're going to open it up. And here we go. Turn it on. There we go. <laughs> I mean, we're getting to the point with college football hot sheet that this just needs to die in a fire. <laughs> we are well below. Well, well below room temperature. I mean, I think I need to get to the point where my brain tells me one thing and I need to go with the opposite because my brain's failing me. I'm 24 and 32. You're 23 and 33. This is brutal. Just brutal. <laughs> Usual. Here's the weird part. Usually I'm pretty good with college football and I'm terrible with the NFL. Yeah. I'm kind of hitting my stride with the NFL. We're both, we're both doing well with the NFL. We're <laughs> both above room temperature there. And I'm terrible with college football. It's bad. It's really bad. <sighs> We've got six games to pick from. Oh, yeah. But before we do that, let's recap last week. Do we really have to? Uh-huh. Okay. Syracuse covers against Clemson because they should have won the game outright. They, Let's they be had that honest. Game and they just and decided they to not score in the second half. What is it with teams not scoring in the second half blowing leads? I Syracuse, Texas, Ole Miss. Oh, wait. We'll get there. We'll get there. My God. Ole Miss at LSU. Both of us took Ole Miss. LSU blows them out in the second half. <laughs> Shout out to the guys from Split Zone Duo who do that podcast about college football. I was actually listening to that podcast during the day Saturday, mm -hmm. and they said two specific things during that podcast that rang true during the day Saturday. They were talking about Syracuse and Clemson, and they were talking about how good Clemson was and how terrible the rest of the ACC is, or at least terrible by comparison. <laughs> and they were talking about, oh, they faced Syracuse this week. And the other two guys were both like, they're not beating Clemson. <laughs> like, Syracuse is not beating Clemson. Like, it was just, it was definitively, and everybody, like, equivocally agreed that Syracuse was not beating Clemson. So to see Clemson come back and beat Syracuse, it kind of made me laugh. <laughs> then the LSU Ole Miss part, and, and Robert Goffrey, I believe his name is Robert Goffrey from Split Zone Duo, was pretty much laying out the possibility of LSU being a fraudulent 7 0. And he laid out the remaining five games. He goes, the way this looks, he says, these are five games that they can all win or they can all lose. Or they can easily go 10-2 and two or, like, finish the season at, like, 9-3. and three. Like, it, it could totally go sideways. And then they blew that lead against LSU. <laughs> <laughs> so the guys with Split Zone Duo, shout out to them. It's a great college football podcast. They may be wizards. For pretty much predicting that Syracuse and Ole Miss are going to blow. Might have to start betting with their knowledge. <laughs> I might start listening to them because they, they crushed it. Absolutely crushed it. What'd they say about UCLA and Oregon? Because UCLA did not show up for this game. They were talking about UCLA, 
pretty much in the context of, hey, you know, we thought Chip Kelly was washed. Like, we thought Chip Kelly wasn't a thing anymore. They were kind of split on it, though. I think I think one of the guys or one or two of them actually still believed in UCLA. I think the other one was kind of like, yeah, I'm not buying it. But it's, <laughs> I think I was Kirshner, who I've had on my show before. I think Alex was like, yeah, this is, this is not a thing anymore. Like, the Chip Kelly, the Chip Kelly mystique has died off. But, you know, I, I thought that they both kind of, I, I shouldn't say they both, but the three of them, they, they really broke down the situation of what happened when Chip Kelly got there and what UCLA's trying to do. Mm-hmm. And then Bo Nix just went nuts on him. Can you believe the numbers he put up? 22 of 28, 283 yards, five touchdowns. It makes me believe that maybe Bo Nix was not the problem. It was maybe the fact that he was in Auburn. And that they were playing Georgia opening week. (laughs) (laughs) That, too. They did face the Roman Reigns of college football. Since that game, he's thrown 17 touchdowns. And just one interception since the Georgia game. Oh, Auburn was the problem. 17 touchdowns. Him being at Auburn was the problem. Bo Nix playing at Auburn was the issue. Because he went to Oregon and is totally like became a different Redeeming quarterback. his career. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he, might, he might go in the draft now because yep. he played at Oregon. Yep. Texas, Oklahoma State. Texas went full-blown Texas. I can't believe you and me both took Texas. We hate taking Texas. Didn't I say that <laughs> I probably regret doing that? Probably. I think I probably said I would regret doing that. I think you said, believe it or not, I'm taking Texas. I said, dude, I'm taking Texas too. This is not good. <laughs> but we both had the logic. Well, Oklahoma State blew it so bad against TCU. There's no way they not could do it twice, Texas. right? And then Texas did the same thing Oklahoma State did the week before. Stop scoring. What? Oh, man, the Big 12 has been brutal. And then, you, the words out of your mouth, Mike Leach getting 21 against Bama? Absolutely. And, oh, they got creamed. My God. Like, <laughs> what is what is going on? I don't – I got to stop giving it, people too much credit. It was a really rough weekend. Just, man. We got TCU right because K-State let them back in the game. Well, let, let's, not, let's not gloss over the thing with Mississippi State. I thought Mississippi State could cover the 21 – because Mississippi State could score. Right, they couldn't score. They no. couldn't even score. <laughs> no. I think you what, that was six at the end of the game? They got, they got a touchdown late. They got a touchdown late. They got the, the garbage time touchdown. They, they lost 30-6. to six. They did not cover. Oh, my gosh. And they only lost by 24. Yep. All you had to do was get a field goal. You would have covered. Come on, or at least push. Jeez. Kansas State had TCU put away until they, they did. didn't. Once again, TCU, the comeback kings. Not only did TCU come back, they came back and beat Kansas State by 10. Yep. Unbelievable. <laughs> TCU may be the most dangerous team in the country. Are they going to the playoff? I, they might. I, I put out my early I know. My early bracket. I heard. I had Georgia 1, Ohio State 2, Clemson, uh, TCU 3, and Clemson 4. That'd be T- nuts. I think TCU wins the Big 12. That'd be nuts if yeah. they got in. Because USC already blew it. They're not getting in anymore. No, the Pac-12 is not going to have a team in nothing. And finally, Minnesota and Penn State. I'm so stupid. I didn't realize that uh, Morgan was going to be out. I also I also forgot that Tanner Morgan was not yep. playing. Yep. But, but my rationale <laughs> my rationale was Penn State, they historically do well in the whiteout game. I so. thought that Ibrahim would run all over them because Michigan did, but... That did not happen. And I, I love, I love Mo Ibrahim. If there's a running back that I wish could be in black and gold next year, it's Mo Ibrahim because I love that kid. He yeah. just, he runs like a grown man, and it's beautiful to watch. Scooter, but Penn State we, still beat him. We need the Scooter Magruder. I'm a grown man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's I wish, Mo Ibrahim. <laughs> we need a Scooter Magruder drop because Mo Ibrahim is a grown man for real. All right, here we go. Week nine. Oh, how many more weeks do we have of this? Five. I don't five know. more weeks. I don't know if my ego can handle much more. We're not catching 500. I just don't think we have it in ourselves. I, I've i gone to some runs before in my lifetime, but none that can match that. We need an undefeated week to bring us back to kind of room temperature, but we're, oh. not, we're not there yet. I don't know if I got that in me. Big noon Saturday, Ohio State at Penn State. Nittany Lions plus 15 and a half at home. Here's where I am with Ohio State, because if you remember, I recently dubbed them the Seth Rollins of college football, because Seth Rollins doesn't have any bad matches. Ohio State has not had any bad games, and they have not they have not allowed themselves 
to do anything short of what they're capable of doing. But at the same time, they have only played one road game. They beat Notre Dame at home. They beat Arkansas State at home. They beat Toledo at home. They beat Wisconsin at home. They beat Rutgers at home. They beat Iowa by 44 points at home. Their only road game was Michigan State, and they won that game by 29. So (laughs) there's that. (laughs) I think that's why I'm telling myself, okay, Ohio State's only played one one road game, but they still won that by four times. How have they only played one road game in eight weeks? I don't know. Who are they paying off for that many home games? I mean, and they had all those conference games, Wisconsin, Rutgers, Iowa, I guess it's only what? Three three uh, conference games and one conference game on the road. However, they go on the road a lot finishing up here. On the road at Penn State, (laughs) on the road at Northwestern, home against Indiana, on the road against Maryland, and then against Michigan in Columbus, which I think they will win easily. Yeah. So, the line is already out for that game. They're already favored by 10 and a half. Michigan? It's on the ESPN app. If no you look at the way. ESPN, I'm yeah. dead serious. <laughs> if you look at the ESPN app, Michigan, Ohio State, the line already says OSU minus 10.5. And I would bet that today if I could. <laughs> They're going to destroy Michigan and Columbus. So, so are they covering? Yes, absolutely. So 15 and a half? Oh, Ohio State's not losing. They're not losing the game. But they're covering? They're covering this one, yeah. Man, I really thought you were going to go Penn State. They're going to they're going to win their way to the playoff, and they're going to smash whoever the number three team is. Because yeah. Georgia's going to be one, and they're going to be two. They'll the probably play Clemson. They'll probably it'll be either Clemson or whoever comes out of the Big Twelve or whoever Alabama. Or maybe if <laughs> Bama loses the SEC championship game to Georgia or Tennessee. Oh yeah, we're forgetting Tennessee. We <laughs> we haven't talked about Tennessee. It's it's I'm not ruling Tennessee out. If there is an offense. That can give Georgia problems. It's Tennessee. It's Tennessee. I agree. So, that'll be a fun game on November 5th. I'm also taking Ohio State. Notre Dame at Syracuse. The Orange minus two and a half. I'm going to take Syracuse at home. There's no way I'm trusting Notre Dame on the road. No way. (laughs) No way. I trust Dino Babers' hair more than I trust Notre Dame on the road. (laughs) And I love Dino Babers' hair, by the way. (laughs) Tightest Beijing in college football. I'll I'll put my money on it. OK State at K-State. Speaking of good hair. Oklahoma State coach. Oh, Mike Gundy. Gundy. I'll take Dino's hair over Gundy. K-State minus one and a half at home. These are both teams that blew it against TCU going up against each other. I I, I did college football remix last week, or this past week, I should say, and I had Kansas State as the team that I trust. You're taking them at home now. I'm going K-State. I like Kansas State at home. I think uh, – I don't know. I, I just think that they're better team at home. They they blew it on the road at TCU, but o- OK State, I, I just don't believe in them. It's hard to win in Manhattan. Yeah, Kansas State gives you a hard time in Manhattan, and didn't, Oklahoma State is a team. Did they just like throttle Oklahoma in, K- oh, in yeah. Kansas State? They gave it to Oklahoma. Not yeah. they went to Norman for that game. Oh, that was at Norman. I might have been in Norman. No, I'm thinking about um, thinking about TCU. Yeah. Uh, yeah, Kansas State won. I think they beat Oklahoma in Manhattan, but. I don't trust Oklahoma State on the road. I guess that's the bottom line. I don't trust them on the road in Manhattan. That game was in Oklahoma. 41-34, Kansas State won Kansas State on beat the them road. in Norman. Yep. Wow. Yep. There you go. All right. Uh, Kentucky at Tennessee. The Vols are minus 12 and a half. Oh, man. I will let you go first. Uh, you know I love Mark Stoops' defense. You know this. Yeah. And there's only one defense in the SEC East that I love more than Kentucky's, and that's Georgia's. <sighs> What'd you say the line was? Twelve and a half in Knoxville. Yep. <sighs> Can Will Levis keep up with Head and Hooker? That's what it's going to come down to for me. I I can can. Kentucky's defense keep up with Hendon Hooker. Yeah, that's exactly. Right. I think that's the question for me. I, Will Levis is a good quarterback. I think he's super talented. I, I think a lot of Penn State fans probably wish he hadn't left. They'd probably be in a lot better shape right now. I just don't think that they can win in a in a race like Alabama and Tennessee's no. game was. If Tennessee gets off to a hot start, I don't see Kentucky catching them. You know what's wild? Pitt did not let Tennessee get into a track meet. No, they, and Alabama Pitt, did. Pitt got ahead of Tennessee from Pitt, the beginning. Pitt got ahead of Tennessee at Acrisure Stadium, and Alabama got into a shootout with them in Tuscaloosa. No, I'm sorry, that was in Knoxville. Yeah, sorry, in that was in Knoxville. Knoxville. But yeah, Pitt tried to keep him at bay. That's crazy. 
I'm stalling. Um, <laughs> Your brain is just uh, like Tennessee, Kentucky. Who do I pick? I think Tennessee. We did say this is in Knoxville. Yeah, it's in Knoxville. They'll cover. They'll 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 win that back up with touchdowns. If it was in Lexington. I might go with Kentucky, but Kentucky's offense, I don't know if I can trust them as much. I'm taking Tennessee. Tennessee They've given me definitely. no reason not to trust them. You're right. You're absolutely right. This Here is true. Here is one that I think we're both going with the same one, but I'll be – you might you might surprise me. You might, right? Michigan you might. State at Michigan. <laughs> Michigan's minus 23 in this one. Oh, man. I'm taking Michigan. Well, they're not – they won't be playing in East Lansing, so there shouldn't be trouble with the snap in this one. <laughs> Was it the five-year anniversary or seven-year uh, anniversary? It's, it's up there, man. It's... Great story about that one. I was actually at my buddy Gavin Williams' wedding in Hilton Head the day of that game. We're mm-hmm. at the day of the trouble with the snap game. Yes. We're at his wedding reception. Oh, my. And he he literally runs up to me in the middle of the wedding reception and goes, please tell me you saw how Michigan-Michigan State ended. I'm like, no. He's like, dude, you have to watch this. At his wedding reception, <laughs> he comes up to me and goes, you have to see how this game ended. Literal <laughs> words. True words. You have to see how this game ended. And we're just sitting there both laughing at Michigan below this one, this punt attempt, and the, the snap went bad. Oh, man, it was fantastic. Shout out to Gavin. It Ashley. was fantastic. They got the snap, and he just handed it right to Michigan State oh, for a God. touchdown. Gavin, <laughs> Ashley, happy anniversary, by the way. But, man. So you taking? Oh, Michigan. And the points? Yeah. Yeah. Same. Yeah, Michigan State. They're not even last year Michigan State. No, they're bad. No. They're, they're actually really bad. And they signed Mel Tucker to that huge contract. Yep. <laughs> Good luck with that. Finally, Pitt, North Carolina. Tar Heels minus three. Oh, my God. Can we get Jack Zorinsic on the phone? No, I would love to. <laughs> Well, you know I'm taking Pitt because of Mac Brown. Oh, man. Jack would take Pitt in a heartbeat. He'd take Pitt just out of spite. I'm taking North Carolina. Pitt, Pitt's <laughs> offense has let down too many times. North Carolina's offense is really good. I don't think Pitt can keep up. I don't trust this Pitt offense on the road. Yep. I don't even know if I can trust them at home after that Georgia, that Georgia Tech game. Yep. That Louisville game, they couldn't get anything going, and that defense was really trying their hardest to stay in that game. They, they were, were they were really playing their tails off. And they were trying to keep that offense in it. And the offense just kept giving the ball back. I can't in good conscience take Pitt knowing what we've seen the past few weeks. I can't. I can't either. And as much as I hate to say it, this being the Quentin Tar- the worst Quentin Tarantino movie ever made that is the Coastal Division. North Carolina's gonna win this game and they're gonna wrap up the Coastal without without a conference loss yet. That's what's nuts. It is nuts. But that's the ACC for you. It's not good. Mm. (laughs) Okay, so that wraps up college football. But wait. How do you do that? I mean, it's just just a gift. And now that we bring it up, it's probably never going to happen again. You're probably right. I still can't believe North Carolina does not have a conference loss. Their only loss is to Notre Dame. Like it makes this season makes. And they no got sense. throttled by Notre Dame. And they lost at by home. two touchdowns at home. This season makes zero sense. Correct. Ugh. Speaking of seasons that make zero sense, can we talk about the NFL? That's what we're gonna do. My God. Uh, I had a good week. You had a good week. I went eleven and three. You wow. went ten and four. Very nice. You have a two-game lead. There we go. As we enter week eight. What, what, are the, what do the numbers say? Like the actual records. Fifty-eight and fifty. Wow. 56 and 52. We are well above room temperature. I like, don't I don't know how because in my other group, I think I changed my picks. My other group is miserable. <laughs> we're, we're in the money right now. We are. Not by much, but when I mean, you are, you're plus eight. Tom Barton, Tom Barton always told me if you win at 52%, you're in the money. You're at plus eight. You'd make a nice unit back. I'm at plus four. If we bet $100, I'd be up 400. You'd be up 800. There you go. Sadly, like we're not doing that. <laughs> no, we're too impatient. <laughs> we're way too impatient well, to do that. Well, I don't have that kind of money. We also don't have that kind of money. Give me, give me like five years, and maybe I'll have that kind of money. I need a lot more than that. <laughs> uh, get, let me, let me get a. I, I got, I got three businesses on, on the, on the. Uh, Back burner. I got, I got them on the stove right now. They're in the oven. Let me get a couple more under my belt. Let me get like five businesses in the next five years. I'll have that kind of money to throw around. All right. Ravens, we'll do it up at the Rivers. Ravens and Bucks on Thursday night football. Oh, gosh. Tampa plus one and a half. They're at home. 
the Bucks have looked miserable the last couple of weeks. I'm taking Baltimore. Not even Baltimore can screw this up. Not that it, not that it's bad for Baltimore, but well, being they, they can. <laughs> but being the team on the road on a Thursday night, you're at a disadvantage on a Thursday night game. But it's going to be hard for that road team to screw this up with the way this Tampa team's playing right now. They're they're searching for answers. Yep. I'll go Baltimore. Yep. Same here. Oh, Sunday morning football in London. Oh boy. Broncos. Again, getting their own window. Ugh. Taking on the Jaguars. A game that I will not wake up for. If I recall correctly, the Jaguars actually do well in London. Am I remember that right? I think I think they do. I think they do traditionally well. Jags minus two and a half. Russ is going to play in this game? Yeah. I'll let Jags. You, I'll let you go first. <laughs> I'll go Jags. <laughs> Even with Russ playing, I'll go Jags. I'm going to go... Just because I'm, I'm, if I remember correctly, Jacksonville actually has a pretty good history in London, so I'll I'm stick going, with that. I'm going Jags. The Broncos are a joke. Steelers, Eagles, Philly is now minus 11. Oh, my God. I am taking Philly. Oh, it's hard not to take Philly, isn't it? Yeah. Although, although, I can make a case that the Steelers' defense over the past couple weeks has actually done a really good job of keeping them in games. Yes. Because they lost to Miami by six. And that's a game they really should have won. And the defense played phenomenally. They were underdogs at home against Tampa and won that game because the Steelers defense did just enough to win that game. (sighs) Yeah, but Buffalo. (laughs) But Buffalo. And Buffalo, now here's the thing. You were facing literally the number one team in the league with a bullet. I'd say that this is the number two team with a bullet, wouldn't you? No, I'd put them three. I wouldn't put them ahead of Kansas City. Okay, that's fair. But they're the number one team in the NFC, without question. Yeah. (sighs) So what's your pick? You're stalling again. I I can't (laughs) believe I'm doing this. Like, I don't think they'll win outright. Steelers cover. I think they could, because I could see them losing this game by eight or nine. I could see them lose this game by like ten points or nine or ten points because they you know they maybe scored a garbage time touchdown or something. If that offense decides they want to score a garbage time touchdown, if the opportunity is available to them. Because <laughs> they can't even get garbage time touchdowns this team. Not that they've had to play a lot in garbage time other than Buffalo. But there's a ton of garbage time in Buffalo and they still couldn't score a touchdown. Um, no, you know, I'll 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 go for the deal. I'll hate myself for this later, probably. I'm going to hate myself for it later. And if they, seriously, if they lose this game by 10, I'm going to be really pissed. But I'll go with Philly. Looking back on every pick we've made, you've taken the Steelers every time until now. Seriously? Yep. Oh, because I would I would pick them to lose and still cover. That is correct. Even against Buffalo, you picked them. Why did I pick them to cover against Buffalo? I think because it was 14 and a half, and you said that's too many points. I did say it was too many points. I, I, You're taking Philly, then. I'm going to take Philly and then watch the win by 10, and I'll hate myself for two weeks. Because that's that's how this team does. That's Panthers, do Falcons, Atlanta minus four and a half. Uh, my pick. No, your pick. Jeez. If it wasn't about picking against the spread, I would just consider this a toilet bowl. But Atlanta's really good at covering the spread. <laughs> Um, and they're at home, and they're against, they're against a really terrible Carolina team. But yep. is it P.J. Walker time again in Carolina? Yes, it is. You know what? No, you're not. <laughs> Atlanta ain't better than Tampa. Panthers? No, give me Atlanta. <laughs> I'll... I'm gonna go with what I'm gonna go with what history tells me. As far as well, I shouldn't say history, but I'll, I'll go with what the trend tells me about Atlanta being good against the spread. You were so close. I, <laughs> PJ Walker almost talked me into it. He was in my ear whispering, "I can win this game." But no, I'll, I'll go with Atlanta. I'm going Atlanta. Bears, Cowboys, Dallas minus nine and a half. The Bears really look good on Monday Night Football against Mac Jones slash Bailey Zappi. But the Cowboys aren't the Patriots. The Cowboys have a really good defense, and I don't think Chicago can keep up with that. I'm going to take Dallas in the points. I think the Cowboys have the number two scoring defense in the league, if I'm not mistaken. If it's not number two, it's top five behind Buffalo, of course. Um, 
Dallas seems to have figured out what worked. Dak getting hurt might have been the best thing to happen to the Cowboys because the Cowboys figured out we don't need Dak to do everything. They're going back to what they did when Zach, when Dak was younger, when he was a rookie, and that like that those early years were just like, hey, feed Zeke, play defense, and let Dak not screw it up. Mm-hmm. If Dallas follows that, they can last long enough to get knocked out by Philly. But I'll take Dallas in this one. <laughs> that defense is going to give give the Bears problems. It should. They are. Once again, and I love to reiterate this when Dallas' defense is being discussed, Micah Parsons still walks the plank. So, yeah. Put a QB spy with Micah Parsons oh on God. Justin Fields. You don't need to do that. Just let, no, him, just, rush, yeah, let him rush straight up. He'll just, kill whoever's in front of him to get to Justin just, Fields. Just blitz him. My God. Dolphins, Lions. Lions plus three and a half. Your pick. Ooh. That's in, that's in Detroit, huh? Yep. The kneecap biters themselves. Detroit's defense cannot do what the Steelers' defense did. Their offense can score points, but Miami can score points too. They're gonna, they're gonna win a track meet. I'll, I'll say Miami, and they're at Ford Field, so it's not like weather will be an issue. I'm gonna take the Dolphins as well. Miami should beat them by a couple touchdowns. Cardinals at the Vikings. Minnesota minus three and a half. I'm gonna take the Vikings. I'm going with the Vikings too, even though the Cardinals have DeAndre Hopkins back. The Vikings, they don't make a ton of mistakes. Kirk Cousins is playing very boring football. But it's working. <laughs> but it's working. Dalvin Cook is doing his thing. That defense is good, like we mentioned. They play good defense. They don't turn the ball over a lot. They don't make a lot of mistakes. Minnesota's winning some very, very boring football games. So it I'll take the Vikings. It shouldn't crack me up as much as it does, but Kirk Cousins is winning some boring football games got me. <laughs> you like that. And I shouldn't call them boring because boring is not the right word because I'm sure they're I'm I'm sure those games aren't boring. No, Justin Jefferson puts on a show. But they're, they're games, I should say, that they're not having to go super crazy to win them. I guess that's the way to say it. That's fair. Because if you, if you told me Minnesota won five, won five of their first six games, I'm like, okay, so who did they beat at the last second a couple times? I'm figuring it's a couple <laughs> close games, you know what I mean, that they – that you know they maybe they maybe just get the edge in because that happens. I mean, there's some the teams Lions that play. game came down to the wire, right? Because there's some teams that'll play you know six, seven close games a year and they'll win five one year and then lose six the next year. Right. So it's just it varies. Raiders at the Saints in the Superdome. It's a one o'clock kick for Vegas to take on the Saints. Ooh, boy. New Orleans plus one and a half. Your pick. Saints in that dome as underdogs. Man alive. Wow. <laughs> Vegas has got to win one, right? They got to win another one with Josh Jacobs and Devontae doing what they do. I mean, granted, they won last week, so I guess they won two. But they, they, they got to win this one, right? Yeah. Saints didn't have anybody that could run with Vegas. I'm taking Vegas. Not, not Jacobs or Devontae. No. I'll go Vegas, man. Even though they're getting a point and a half. Or they're giving a point and a half. I'll still go Vegas. I agree with that. I'm taking Vegas as well. Because if you move that to Vegas, they're a touchdown favorite. So, yeah. Yeah, Vegas. Patriots at the Jets. The Jets are plus two and a half. There's no reason why they should be the underdog with what I saw from New England last week. I'm taking the Jets. Here's the question. Who's starting for New England? Is it Mac Jones? It's got to be Zappi. Or is it Bailey Zappi? I think it's Zappi Hour. I think they're done with Mac. If Bailey Zappi is starting... Give me New England and long live the air raid. <laughs> air raid quarterbacks, baby. They get the job done. Air raid QBs. I mean, how would I find that? Just Patriots quarterback this week? Uh, Patriots injury report. I don't know. Good question. I well, mean, he's not hurt. Well, Mac's not hurt. That's true. Bill Belichick has bungled the Patriots QB situation. <laughs> Who wrote that? Yahoo.com, oh Charles Robinson. <laughs> oh, four verts. I love Charles Robinson. He's yep. one of my favorite writers. If you're looking to build some defense of Mac Jones, there's now an intriguing video snippet that isn't New England Patriots coach skipping jukebox, Bill Belichick repeating, we'll see how it goes today. <laughs> oh, man. I got to go read that, man. Four verts is my guy. Charles Robinson's good. He's a good writer. Well, you're taking Zappy. I'm taking. If Zappy starts, I can't, I can't not bet on him. You know what? Give it the Patriots and long live the air raid. You know what? I'm Western gonna, Kentucky, baby. I'm gonna Hilltoppers. take. The, I'm gonna take the Patriots too. No Brees Hall. I'm gonna take them. Yeah, they're they're banged up over there. But the, like I said, they made a trade for a running back. They're trying. They're trying to at least, you know, they're trying to at least 
gain back part of what they lost. But no, I like New England with Zappy. If Zappy, Zappy starts and, and plays the whole game, oh yeah. Titans, Texans, Houston plus two. We got to hurry this up. Titans and Texans. Uh, Titans. Yeah, I'm going to take the Titans. I can't believe it's only a two-point spread. That's kind of crazy. I, I, I can actually understand that because the Tex the Titans are hard to trust sometimes. They are. 49ers, Rams, Rams plus one and a half. I'm going to take the 49ers. 49ers, Rams. You said it was Rams plus one and a half in L.A.? Yeah. They got most of their defensive guys back that were hurt, right? San Francisco did? Yes. 49ers own the Rams during the regular season. Yep. <laughs> uh, Rams has some injury issues. I'll go San Francisco. Okay. Just because of history. Commanders at Colts. Indy minus three. Give me Taylor Heineke and the Commanders. Oh, definitely Taylor Heineke <laughs> and the Commanders. I was so excited when I found he was starting last week. Like, definitely give me Washington. Dude, man. he won outright. He didn't just yeah. cover. He yeah. just beat the Packers. Yeah, good on Taylor Heineke, man. Good on him. I I don't know why that guy hasn't been the starter from the get-go. He came in the first time around in one game. What did you need Carson Wentz for? You got Taylor Heineke. He can throw the ball. He can run. He doesn't make a ton of mistakes. Let that kid cook. I agree. Plus, his name is Taylor. He's got to be all right. Giants, Seahawks, Seattle minus three at home. Can you believe that the Seahawks are in first place? That's nuts. The only thing I can't believe more than the Seahawks being in first place are the Giants being 6-1. and one. Yeah. That's two really, really surprising so things. So something's got to give this week. You know, it's, Who's you know, going to win? You know what's crazy? This might be the best game all weekend. I thought the same thing. This could be the, <laughs> this could be the best evenly matched game as far as position for position, like pound for pound. Uh, athlete for athlete, it might be this game. I thought the same thing. Who are you taking? Man, this is crazy. <laughs> I will say Seattle solely, solely because they're the home team. If this game was played on a neutral site, I don't know who I'd pick. It might be a coin flip. And honestly, with the fact that Seattle's favored by three at home, means that on a neutral site, this would be a pick. I'm taking Seattle. Yeah. They, they showed me something last week against the Chargers. Geno Smith, man. God bless him. And Kenneth Walker's a beast. Kenneth Walker on my fantasy team, baby. Let's go. That's At least smart. one of my teams. Packers, Bills, Sunday night football, Buffalo minus 11 and a half. Buffalo by a freaking million. <laughs> God. If they don't like this team up, there is no God. Yeah, I'm, I'm, take, I'm taking That's the Bills. Fair. I'm taking the Bills. <laughs> Monday not... night football, Bengals, Browns, Cleveland plus three. Bengals, they're starting to find their stride. Agreed. Even though they're going to Cleveland, I don't think Cincinnati's ever been daunted by going to Cleveland. At least they haven't been in years. Um, and the Bengals are figuring it out. They're starting to get. They're starting to get into that rhythm. I agree. Joe Burrow went nuts last week. Give yep. me the Bengals. Yep. Same here. All right, we got to wrap it up. That'll do it for us. Talk to you. Are we going to do one next week? They're on a bye week. Do you want to do one next week, or do we want to take the week off? I mean, we could still do NFL and college hockey. Yeah, that's fine with me. We could finally talk NBA. All right, if you really want to open up that wound. <laughs> Although, I will reserve my policy still in place that the Lakers are Bruno and we don't talk about Bruno. But I'd be happy to talk about the NBA. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we're back at it next week. See ya. We'll talk to you then.